Hi, John Kuzma from EndzoneBlog.com's Across the Middle Show. I appreciate you guys all tuning in. Let's get right to the ticker and start talking some football. Some football. The first thing that we have uh, up today is uh, Richard Sherman is one of the newest members of the 49ers, but he's already taken on a leadership role in the Bay Area. Man, Richard Sherman has an impact uh, for whatever team he plays for in so many other ways besides just on the field. Um, Sherman, he heads to San Francisco. Um, he played college football at Stanford, so he's familiar with the area a little bit. And, you know, uh, one of the reasons he said he signed with the 49ers is because he really liked what Jimmy Garoppolo uh, is doing. He really liked Garoppolo's progression and he said uh, that was huge because he believes in Garoppolo and um, he thinks the up-and-coming quarterback is one of the, the bright stars um, of the league, or he's going to be one of the bright stars of the league, I should say. And uh, obviously that compelled Richard Sherman to sign with the 49ers. Now this is huge for uh, Jimmy Garoppolo because Richard Sherman has achieved so much in the National Football League. I think he went to four Pro Bowls. So when you have a guy like that co-signing you and, uh, you know, backing you and believing in you, that's going to be huge for Jimmy Garoppolo's confidence. And, uh, you know, for a new player to come into this locker room and say some things like that, it's just good for uh, the culture that they're trying to build in um, San Francisco. You know, we know this team went 7-0 and after Garoppolo came into the fold. Garoppolo actually went undefeated as a starter. Um, but, you know, Sherman is going to help, uh, you know, be a leader and set the tone for everybody else in the locker room. Um, when you have a guy that can be the glue and really uh, get guys to buy into what he's selling and uh, just a guy that's going to watch over everybody and be a, a veteran who can um, set a good precedent for what's to come. I think that's so undervalued in the league, and you need a guy that can almost be a mentor for the younger players on uh, the roster. Uh, um, the 49ers are going to get that from Richard Sherman, and they have to be ecstatic about what this guy brings to the table as far as um, – being a voice uh, in the locker room and, you know, just being someone that they can look up to not only in the off season, but when, you know, th it's crunch time and uh, the pressure's on and, you know, a lot of people are, are timid and they're on the verge of folding, you know, Richard Sherman's going to be vocal and he's going to, um, He's going to fight the resistance. If you remember this guy in Seattle, there were so many times in Seattle towards the end when Seattle already made their Super Bowl run. Uh, they already won a Super Bowl. They went back to the Super Bowl and lost, you know, the Patriots. But they already made their runs. Um, when Seattle was actually struggling, Richard Sherman was always on the si sideline trying to rally the troops and uh, just keep morale high. That's what he brings to a football team. And not only that, you know, um, Let's talk about the Reuben Foster situation. You know, Reuben Foster gets accused of domestic violence by his girlfriend. All the media and, you know, even uh, 
John Lynch, the general manager of the San Francisco 49ers, said, you know, if this is true, we're going to part ways with Ruben Foster. Everybody was against uh, Ruben Foster, but Richard Sherman went against the grain. He stayed in Ruben Foster's corner. He uh, showed up to, I think, a few of his court dates. He was just talking to the, the young linebacker and making sure he had some support, someone in his corner. And then it comes out uh, later on throughout the legal process that uh, Reuben Foster's ex-girlfriend fabricated her story and everybody was wrong. And everybody was kind of condemning Richard Sherman for backing Reuben Foster. And it turns out Sherman was right for backing him the whole time because he was the only one who was really letting the the legal process and uh, letting Reuben Foster's due process pan out, which we're supposed to do in this country uh, anyway, which never seems to happen anymore. I don't know what happened to uh, innocent until proven guilty, but that's not the way it works anymore, unfortunately. Well, well, uh, Richard Sherman was validated in his support for Reuben Foster because now it, it looks like all of the case is uh, unraveling and uh, Reuben Foster is going to probably come out of this situation clean. And I think that's not only huge for the 49ers because they're not going to uh, lose out on a first-round pick. Um, it's also big for Reuben Foster himself because his name is clean. You know, uh, especially after how much his uh, name was drugged through the mud by this uh, false accusation. And it just goes to show that Richard Sherman is a smart enough guy that um, he's willing to think for himself. You know, clearly everybody in the media, they were condemning Ruben Foster. They were uh, writing him off as a guy who you know, uh, potentially was throwing his future away. Richard Sherman wasn't really buying into that, and now it looks like Sherman is a smart guy for handling things the way he did. So Richard Sherman, you know, is going to bring a lot to that team. Uh, You wait, and it might be enough to make this team a wild card team uh, in 2018, this upcoming season. Other than that, uh, Richard Sherman has to come back from this uh, Achilles injury that he sustained last year, or endured, endured last year. Uh, we'll see if he can get up to his top form again, you know, and become the dominant player that he once was. That's a serious injury, but if he can, I think this is going to be huge for the 49ers because. They have Robert uh, Sala as their defensive coordinator who actually was an assistant coach with the Seahawks. Uh, He was a linebacker coach when Gus Bradley was a defensive coordinator, um, I think around like 2011 uh, uh, with the Seahawks. So Sala is very familiar with how Richard Sherman plays, and uh, he knows how to utilize Sherman's strengths. I think that's going to be huge for both parties Salah and Sherman uh, moving forward. I think they can have a lot of success because of that familiar familiarity with one another. Um, moving on, the next topic we have is the Baltimore Ravens have a talented cornerback in Marlon Humphrey, and he'll only get better with time. Marlon Humphrey looked very good for the Baltimore Ravens from the get-go. This guy was a former Alabama Crimson Tide standout for Nick Saban. And uh, everything he brought to the table 
at the collegiate level seems to be carrying over to the pros. He looks very, very good. Uh, when I plugged in uh, Humphrey's film, one thing that really stood out to me is he just uh, stayed on every receiver's hip. He was so fluent. Um, and for him to come out as a rookie and be able to stay right in the pocket on some of these elite receivers, which is very, very impressive. The other thing that uh, I noticed is he competes all the way through the process of the catch. So there was times when receivers would make a grab, but uh, you know when they were coming down from jumping up and making that grab, uh, Humphrey would knock the ball down before they landed from their jump, or he would uh, hit the defender, you know, as they were going down, and the ball would get knocked loose. So. Even if he does give up a catch, he's going to compete and try to jar the ball out some way. And it just goes to show that no matter what, he doesn't surrender. He he plays to the whistle every single snap. And you, as a coach, you love a player that has that mentality. I, I, could, uh, I could tell that John Harbaugh was really excited about what this kid brings to the table. He had two interceptions as a rookie. He breaks on balls pretty well. He's fluid in uh, the way he just uh, covers people and, you know, opens up his, uh, his, his hips and, you know, attacks uh, and breaks on the football. That's not easy to do, to be that confident from day one in the National Football League. And this guy was going against, you know, I seen him line up on Antonio Brown before. I seen him line up on you know, a lot of other very, very good football players and really just sell out everything he has, you know. So Marlon Humphrey, he's only going to get better with time, you know. As he becomes more confident and uh, believes more in himself and his abilities, he's going to make more plays. And, you know, he did it in the SEC against the best talent uh, in college football, like I said. And now he's uh, hit, really hitting the ground running in the National Football League. And it, it's just exciting to see this kid come out uh, of uh, Alabama and show that he really can do it against the best in the world. The Ravens secondary is loaded. You got Tony Jefferson, you got Eric Weddle, you got Jimmy Smith, you got all these guys, uh, Long Humphrey, that can make plays too. And it's just become pretty obvious that the Ravens are going to be able to blitz frequently because they can leave Humphrey on an island and trust him to get it done out there. You know, that allows the defensive coordinator, I think uh, the, co the, the coordinator um, for the Ravens, uh, what's his name? I think it's like Don Martindale. I'm not sure off the top of my head. Let me see real quick. Yeah, Don Martindale. He's going to be able to just dial it up and bring as much pressure as he wants because he has a talented enough secondary that he can put in cover zero just straight up man-to-man -man situations with not even a free safety over top or cover one with uh you know man-to-man -man with just one free safety he doesn't have to run uh zones because the the guys uh from a coverage standpoint his secondary and his defensive backs they can just go mano-a-mano -mano against uh, all these elite receivers. And, you know, that's what you would like to have. You know, personally, you know, being a, a former safety myself, 
I would always prefer to run zone because uh, it, it takes less out of your defenders to run zone because you're guarding area instead of running stride for stride uh, in man coverage, covering the whole field, which kind of gasses you by the fourth quarter. And uh, quarterbacks um, in the National Football League, when you blitz them, Sometimes a lot of those guys are actually better against the blitz because that opens so many uh, windows down, or yeah, opens up windows downfield, and these quarterbacks can get the ball out of their hands so quickly, and they can trust their receiver to run a slant and beat uh, man coverage pretty easily when there's not other defenders to help out against the pass. So I prefer to run the zone, but and uh, sparingly use blitzes. But um, because Baltimore is so good from a man standpoint, they're going to be able to blitz a little bit more frequently. So I would prefer to run an 80-20 coverage to blitz ratio. I would play coverage in zone uh, 80% of the time and blitz 20% of the time. Maybe Baltimore could go 70-30 or 60-40 coverage to blitz. So you're you're going from... uh, a 20% blitz ratio to maybe a 30 or 40% blitz ratio. And that's because um, if you got the guys to do it, you know, why not get a little bit more help on the front end, try to cause a little chaos as far as rushing the passer, passer and uh, filling those running lanes and just shooting gaps. Um, it's an aggressive style of play, but you know Humphrey, you know Smith, definitely know Eric Weddle are going to handle their job or handle their business and do their job. So, you know, uh, it's definitely something you have to keep an eye on uh, if you're a fan of the Ravens and expect uh, Don Martindale to really uh, unleash everything he has this year. Uh, The last topic we have is the Dallas Cowboys and how they're unraveling. Man, the Dallas Cowboys, I think Jerry J- Jones botched it this offseason. You know, maybe it will set them up for a brighter future down the line just because, you know, they saved a lot of money by cutting Des Bryant. But I just think for this upcoming season, they took themselves out of Super Bowl contention. And with Jerry getting older, um, I know how much Jerry Jones wants to win the Super Bowl. So I just don't understand what he was thinking heading into this upcoming season. And to be honest, I don't think Ezekiel Elliott is too happy with uh, the moves that the, the Cowboys have made because he's been pretty vocal on Twitter that you can doubt Des Bryant all you want, but uh, Des is going to still make plays. And then uh, Elliott said, hashtag throw up the X. Um, and then he posted a picture of him and uh, uh, Des Bryant jumping up and uh, bumping each other on the field. Um, so I think the Cowboys, uh, you know, they're regressing. They lost Des Bryant, which, you know, everybody's like, Des is losing a step. Yeah, but if you saw that catch against, I think, the Redskins last year, when he went up top and just completely mossed this uh, defensive back, just out-jumped him, high-pointed this football, probably 16 feet in the air, he high-pointed this football. I'm not kidding. It was 15, 16 feet of the air. Um, just, just tremendous athleticism. And, yeah, Dez was, is slowing down a little bit and is having a little bit uh, more trouble these days getting separation. But he's still a great jump ball receiver. I know people were a little frustrated within the organization because they were saying that um, 
He's very combative. But just uh, they should have kept him in the fold because from uh, a win-now standpoint, he is a weapon who could contribute. I think he still had like five touchdowns last year, maybe five or six touchdowns. So it's not like uh, that's easily replaceable, you know. And then you take into consideration that Jason Wenton retired. The consistency that Jason Wenton brought to this team, uh, especially on those throws over the middle for Dak Prescott. You know, if anybody blitzed Dak Prescott, Jason Wenton could run a post. That's a nice, easy throw for Prescott over the middle. And Wenton's going to make that catch almost 10 out of 10 times. And, you know, down by the red zone, I can't even uh, put into words how much Jason Winton brings it to that offense down by the red zone. And, you know, that's too. Both of those guys were great red zone targets. They lost both of them. Um, uh, I just don't know how Dallas is going to get past that. And then Terrence Williams gets arrested for intoxication. Apparently he crashed his car into a light pole. I think uh, if they do find out that they're doing an investigation and then if they find out um, that Terrence Williams was indeed driving or something, I don't know all the details, but it, it looks like, you know, Terrence Williams could receive additional charges beyond the intoxication charge. And uh, if that happens, he could be looking at some, obviously some serious legal trouble. So there's another uh, uh, potential loss if he gets suspended. Maybe a six-game suspension. We've seen, you know, Ezekiel, he just had the six-game suspension last year. A little bit different circumstances. But um, still could be another setback for this offense. You know, Jason Garrett was talking about how they're trying to improve the culture of the team. That's one of the reasons they let go of Bryant. Um, but, you know, Terrence Williams comes, uh, you know, has this uh, slip-up, I should say. And if you're trying to improve your culture, does that mean that Terrence Williams is going to be out of the picture now, too? So, Dallas has some serious issues on their their hands. They're, they seem to be heading in the wrong direction. Uh, the NFC East is always one of the toughest conferences in uh, all of the toughest divisions, I should say, in all football. So, you know, Washington just got Alex Smith. Eagles are the Super Bowl champions. The Giants just got Saquon Barkley. I really don't know what Dallas is thinking. They could have done much better this offseason. I think uh, the key should have been adding talent instead of subtracting talent. I don't want to say went and left because Des Bryant was uh, taken out of the situation. But I'm sure that didn't help Witten's uh decision as far as the future goes because he's starting to think how do we win a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl without Daz? Why waste my time? You know, I know Witten uh, is going to go to the booth and be a, an announcer like Romo did last year. He's following Romo's footsteps, but um, I just don't think Daz uh, getting cut really helped Witten as far as um, him deciding whether he should stay or go. So, Dallas, I don't know what you're doing. Jerry, um, I don't know what you're doing. And Jason Garrett's going to, if they underachieve, which they're most likely going to do, Jason Winton's going to end up on the hot seat. He'll probably end up fired. So, 
we'll see how everything uh, pans out in the Big D. But, you know, as far as America's team goes, I just don't think it's going to be your year. I appreciate you guys tuning in. That's all I got tonight. Check out EnzoneBlog.com for all your latest NFL news and updates. Check out our Twitter account, at EnzoneBlogNFL. Give us a follow. You can ask us any questions uh, you have, and we'll answer them on the show. Um, and uh, one other thing I wanted to say to all uh, my listeners, go to EnzoneBlog.com. And on any of our blog posts, we have a, a link to Robinhood, which is a stock app. If you sign up for Robinhood, you actually get a free stock, and we'll get a free stock too. We partnered up with them. So go there. There's a click me uh, area at the bottom of all our blog posts. Um, it's actually a picture of me where I was coaching uh, one of the high school teams I used to coach. Um, you can click there, or there's a section that has blueprint in between uh, the article and the picture. Um, you can also click there. It will take you to Robinhood. You actually don't even have to put out your, in your banking account information. Just sign up for Robinhood. Download the app. When it asks you to put in your bank account information, don't even enter it. Wait a day until your account gets approved. And then you go back and click that link again. You'll get a free stock. And I'll get a free stock too. Um, when I signed up, I got Zanga, which is a $5 stock. I think somewhere around $5. But uh, it's always nice to add to the portfolio, and you guys can, you know, if you guys get Apple, that's like a free $190, $200, you know, just for free, just for signing up. And there's no strings attached. Go check it out. That's Robinhood, but go through EnzoBlog.com and uh, sign up through there so uh, we both get that free stock. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Have a great day.